Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 104 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make theater happen. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other fine podcast streaming services. If you have a spare 30 seconds, please rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you use to help us be more discoverable to listeners who haven't heard about us yet. And now for this week's podcast... For the last few years, the brilliant improvised musical troupe Showstoppers have been entertaining thousands of theatergoers with hundreds of musicals across the country and beyond. In 2016, they won an Olivier Award for their efforts, and that is no small feat at all. And it's just been announced that in addition to their monthly shows uh, and kids' Christmas show that they have been putting on at the Lyric Theater in the West End and Leicester Square, they are going to have a limited residency run at the Other Palace in Victoria, where they will be celebrating creating their 1,000th musical during that run. Not, well, not even Andrew Lloyd Webber comes close to that number. Um, anyway, way back when Curtain Call was in its infancy, we got to see Showstoppers uh, when they were in the West End at the Apollo Theater, and I was I, I was just floored by their improvisational skills. They're absolute genius at making a musical out of a few suggestions from the audience, including uh, some Twitter suggestions. And, and, I mean, we were in stitches in the auditorium, and even the ushers were weeping with laughter. It, it really was something to behold. So, you know, to, to celebrate their announcement, I thought I would... Uh, it'd be the perfect opportunity, actually, to bring you a little chat with the co-founders of Showstoppers, um, Dylan Emery and Adam Megiddo, as well as the musical director, Duncan Walsh-Atkins, I mean, whose job is to keep up with the lightning-fast improv taking place on stage and to somehow come up with any number of musical styles from across the ages at the drop of a hat. Now, just a heads up, Dylan does a brilliant job at ignoring the vocal warm-up that's going on on stage. While he chats to me in the wings before we head into the rather more calming atmosphere of Adam's dressing room. Have a listen. Okay, so Okay, so I'm Dylan Emery, D Y L A N E M E R Y. Okay. I am the one of the co founders of Showstopper. Okay. 
I'm a co-director as well, along with Adam Megiddo. And in the show, I usually am in the chair. So we have a, the structure of the show is that we have a, uh, someone who pretends to be the writer of musicals. And so uh, that's the role I play. And uh, yeah, so I kind of do, I'm a kind of on-stage director. And, and you can start the show at certain times and then give uh, direction, like you say, to, to direct yeah. at any kind of point. You can snap and take a 90-degree turn or, you know, move it forward or yep. whatever you... <laughs> whatever I want, Whatever yeah. you want, that's Exactly. Right. So what happens is, but yeah, the, the conceit of the show is that, that, the, that I'm trying to write a musical and the audience are my friends and they're, yeah. des- and they're trying to help me, hopefully, or slightly hinder me, uh, depending on how naughty they're feeling. And then the, then the stage is, a, uh, is my imagination. Okay. So there is a total fourth wall on the stage. Okay. So the actors don't know that the audience is there because they're actually in a musical, mm-hmm. but it's the one in my head. Okay. Um, and then if I stand up at any point then they all freeze and when they freeze um, I can then get I can tell them to do anything and then they will immediately do it so it's a really interesting uh, dynamic which you don't get as far as more than any other theatre show of the audience um, being in kind of in cahoots with me helping me but also sometimes the actors the, the cast will then be naughty they'll do things that weren't quite what I wanted yeah. kind of on purpose and then the audience is in cahoots with them yeah. so it's like almost like a game show host mixed with a schoolmaster yeah. is my role so yeah okay. unusual perfect and so we're, we're kind of standing in the wings here and can you take me through like they're quite simple props so but when we came last Thursday things came on more than once multiple times and were completely different things so which I didn't second guess I kind of went along with whatever they were they were doing yes. so, so what what have you got that kind of that so what have you got that basically doubles for triples and quadruples for yeah so what we did was we went through we've been, we've been doing this for eight years so we've yeah. had a long time to try to whittle things down okay. and make them dual use okay. and also we kind of know the more common settings the more common type of settings so for in terms of costumes um, hats are very important what we do is for every hat for every for every uh, costume and for every prop and um, we have always tried to think of how many different places could they be used so um, a trilby is great because it can be used you could be a Nazi yeah. you could be a gangster you could be a, a kind of sophisticated 19 sort of 40s British gent yeah. and all of those would more or less fit um, you know cowboy hats kind of only really you know it can cover a few hundred yeah, years yeah, but yeah, it's only yeah. American things so um you know, so what we do is we choose, and we've got things like cloche hats and stuff, which again can be 1920s or it could be 18th century in certain circumstances. Um, so lots of everything is kind of reversible and changeable, um, so that it can be used across lots of, lots of time, uh, lots of different bits of time, yeah. but also hierarchies as well. So yeah, so that's been the interesting thing. We, like coats are really important as well, yeah. because if you've got, um, we've got some amazing, um, we've got some. Neat coats like yeah. here. Here's a great one. Okay, so you've got a yes. coat here, and it's got just a bit of trim. Yeah. Okay. So this could be an, a, an engine driver, could be a kind of coachman, yeah. or it could be a you know a Cinderella coachman yeah. in the fantasy, uh, or it could be a 19th century military policeman. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so so anything. So lots of the stuff is like the trim gives an idea of the hierarchy and the status of the yeah. person. So there's lots of those sorts of thoughts going yeah. into the whole process. That's great. And um, you guys, you were in Edinburgh this year. Yes. You're now here at the Apollo. Um, it, it, does it change the way that you approach the show, you guys? It, or does it... Is, it it's, I mean, technically, as an actor, you know, we do approach different sizes of, of, of theatre differently. I mean, how about when you're creating a show from 
scratch, as it were, from, from suggestions from an audience. Does it, does it change the way that you guys approach as a, as a company, as a team? It changes uh, it, a little bit in the sense of slight... Well, the Apollo is actually such a great space because so, everyone's so close. Yeah. So, in fact, it still feels very intimate and we don't have to do too much. We don't have to make things massive. Yeah. But the big difference actually is more in how does the audience approach us. So even to, in terms of the actual set, we have these movable trucks which can be moved into lots of uh, kind of uh, Art Deco style kind of installations and again make the thing look radically different very yeah. quickly. Um, in terms of the lighting, it's not hugely different from what we would have in Edinburgh except it's, but it's better because we've designed it from scratch. Yeah. Um, so the only big difference is sound is massively different yeah. and Tom Lishman is our sound engineer who came in and did an amazing job. In terms of approaching the audience, the audiences came with different expectations. Right. Total number of people who see us in Edinburgh every year is like six and a half thousand. We sell out, but it's it's a you know it's a three hundred yeah. seater. Yeah. Here, like the total capacity for the run is like fifty thousand. So right. we ran out of fans after like two and a half weeks. <laughs> so um, most of the people who've seen us have never seen us before, right. and, and a lot of them have never seen Impro before. Right. So actually, what really changed was, first of all, they couldn't quite believe quite how much the show was belonged to the audience. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, there's a sort of so we had to take a little bit more time to introduce them to this concept that actually you know, this is really your show shout stuff out and that is what we will turn yeah. into a musical and the idea that if you shout out something unhelpful it, that's, it's not like a comedy show where that's funny yeah. and then, then it's somehow okay no no that is what you will be watching yeah. you know if you shout out the Cheesemongers and Scunthorpe that's what that's it's what you're going to get yeah well done so it was a kind of a, the retraining was interesting and the other thing which was interesting uh, about West End audiences specifically yeah. uh, in Edinburgh we get loads of students and loads of drama students right. and musical theatre fans so they will do all the things they've been doing so we get lots of spring awakening we get lots of rent right. uh, you know we get lots of and lots of sometime always yeah. uh, here we get what's all on elsewhere in the West End and also what elsewhere in Broadway yeah. because they're the people who are coming to this show yeah. so we suddenly get a lot more Mormon and Lion King and Les Mis and Phantom yeah. but we also get like the stuff that's kind of a bit more a lot more American titles yeah. got The Wild Party has come yeah. up several times so uh, yeah it's a lot more you can see where they've come from yeah. and the kinds of things that it's like. and so you've got like you know Hamilton you know just went you yeah. know, so the night before we came it was Hamilton was in there yeah. now some audiences here aren't going to know what Hamilton is do you do you have do you have to kind of slightly inform them or yeah so what basically how it works is our total list of it of like musicals that we kind of keep a track of that we think are we really ought to know well enough to be able to improvise in the style of without yeah. guessing it's about 250 okay so it's pretty substantial for each of those um there's a kind of sh- i've more or less got a sort of one sentence shorthand to describe it to people who might not know what it is okay. now if it's Phantom or whatever name is you don't bother but if it is you know In the Heights or it, you know or Hamilton or if it's you know anything which is not quite as you're in town yeah. you know it was very successful but it wasn't seen by everyone so at that point I have to describe it now the question is this do I describe the subject matter because yeah. that's not really what's going to appear yeah. or do I have to somehow describe the music and yeah. what's interesting is that really separates the sheep from the goats if you, can, if you describe a musical and you can't describe how the music is distinct, yeah. what does that say about the musical? Yeah. 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 So instead, we, are, we have to rely on references to the show. Right. But luckily, for lots of the musicals, the music is distinct. I mean, You're in Town's a brilliant example. Yeah, 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 it's got yeah. this weird Brechtian kind yes, of vibe. Of course, kind of, yes. you know, in the Heights, of course, it's fabulous. And then, of course, Hamilton with its kind of Baroque elements and then yeah. hip-hop. So all those stuff we absolutely adore. Excellent. Um, There's another interesting thing. Yeah. So why is this show different from any other show in, in the West? Yeah, yeah. So... 
one is that the lighting is obviously the lighting is improvised, sound is improvised. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. In your in your cast list, you have sound improviser, lighting improviser. Absolutely. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, not not sitting there because they're not sitting there waiting for the cue. And so actually, the skill set is actually just as vital. There are okay. three directors in this show, and the directors are me, most obviously. Yeah. There is Duncan Walsh Atkins because he's the musical director. Yeah. If he makes a single note. Then the cast immediately responds because they know that's an emotional beat. Right. You know, if he pulls out, they have to change. Like he's a total director of the show. Right. And in some senses, are much more than I am. And then the lighting person, because if the lighting person changes state, that means you have to change the scene. They can, of course, end scenes, but also they just change the lighting state. They put a spotlight on, you fill the spotlight. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the way you approach all of this is if this were a brilliantly written musical, yeah. what would it look like? Yeah. This is not an impro show with songs. Yeah. This is uh, actually trying to improvise what, what, a, what a great musical would be yeah. had it been rehearsed and directed and choreographed. Yeah. So everything that is done, ha- either from the actor or from any of the other improvisers, like yeah. music and lights and so on, has to immediately be yes ended. Yes, Adam Megiddo. And what you do on the show? Uh, I'm with Dylan. I'm the co-creator of the show, and I'm in the show as uh, one who jumps and sings and dances about. Excellent. And... How long have you been doing this? Uh, since the start, which was 2007. 2007. Well, okay. Dylan and, uh, me and Dylan and Ken Campbell, right. who's sadly no longer with us, um, did an, a one-week workshop at the Actors' Centre in 2007 entitled Can You Make Up a Musical on the Spot? Something like that. And we spent a week with a group of people and we tried it out. And then yeah. at the end, we got our people together and formed Showstopper in 2008. Amazing. Yeah. That's cool because I mean I like the title because it like Ronson, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are just like Ronson. We are like most DIY products, actually. Um, and uh, I hear on the grapevine that you guys don't talk to each other backstage. Uh, we don't really because firstly we're mic'd yeah. and our mics are live all the time in case we want to sing from off stage. So there's no way because it's improvised. Of course, there's no way of the sound desk knowing who wants to sing or talk when. So our mics are live all the time, which means that if we talk to each other, we can be heard on stage. So we generally don't. We have a whiteboard. If something is urgent that needs to be communicated, we can write it on a whiteboard, but we tend not to, really. Um, And also, if you're trying to talk to each other, you're missing what's going on on stage. So you're missing the action, and therefore you've missed a bit. Yeah. And that's um, that's completely unique. I've not come across that that before in a... A show at all. Yeah, what's well, the idea of sort of in a silent, enforced silence backstage? <laughs> yeah. We can, I mean, we can look at each other. Usually, what happens is we do the same kind of communication backstage as we do on stage, which is we look at each look other. Look at each other, yeah. So, if some, if for example, a number's going on, I'm sure you'll see this several times tonight. If a musical number's going on, but it needs backers, uh, people to go into the backing vocals and doing some dancing in the background, someone will grab a hat. So, the other people will grab the identical hats, they'll just follow suit. And then we'll all go on looking the same. Um, occasionally, you might kind of point at something, but if we need to communicate, we'll just yeah. look at each other or just sort of point. Yeah. Okay. Do you, Do you ever point at because you, you got the word twat up there? A twit. No, I think it's. Or has it been changed to twat? It's been changed to yeah, twat. Probably. I just has. wanted to know why you guys are really harsh to each other. If you kind of yeah, you go on the twat the list. Twat yeah, yeah, you go on the twat list if you uh, if you've really annoyed everybody. <laughs> The uh, the twats is our uh, uh, naughty abbreviation for tweets. So when we get our Twitter suggestions at right. the interval, we write them up on the board so that they're all there if we need to pick them up and Got refer you. to them. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I spend a lot of time doing this in the wings backstage amongst the cast and the crew. Yeah. 
And generally, when there's a pattern. Are, there's always a pattern. There is exactly. There's always a pattern. But generally, when people are off stage, it's kind of their downtime. Whereas for you, you, you there's need no to downtime. Be as clued into what's going on when you're off stage as when you're on stage. Yeah, there there isn't any downtime until yeah. the show's over. And because you could be needed at any moment, or you might need to contribute something at any moment. Yes. And is it uh, is there any? Ladies and gentlemen, the house is now open. Please do not cross. Is it a case of when somebody has the idea, like an improv, if they have it, there's that spark that goes, and they're on stage. You you were very quick to to move a truck the other day and be in the in the pharmacy. You know the pharmacy. It just it was a seamless kind of right from the rugby club into the pharmacy. It just like you know. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully you just go. Yeah, yeah. I mean. In many, there are certain things about the show that are really. Uh, there are certain things about the show that apply to all kinds of improvisation, but then there are other things that are just completely unique, and in fact, certain improv rules might not help you yeah. in a showstopper. So sometimes you would usually say yes to everything and just go, yeah. but sometimes that isn't the most useful thing to do. Sometimes you want to take an, an opposing point, or for story development, sometimes you want to kind of block, push, or nudge. Um, sometimes your instinct actually has to be checked. Yeah. Sometimes it has to be released, so it's a cons- it's a fluid thing. It's constantly changing, which is why you, you never have this off moment. You're constantly yeah. just there, present, waiting to see what you need to do. Um, it's something I've never witnessed. I mean, just being in, in a show, even kind of like we do Shakespeare Company times and, and things, watching the um, the ushers. Uh, get together and watch you. It's I know it's study. so yeah. lovely. That is one of the nicest things. Yeah, that's that's another. Unique. We did a workshop with them. Actually, I wasn't able to do it, but we did a workshop with them last week. Brilliant. Yeah, they've been great. They've been absolutely amazing. Yeah, we get yeah, you get to see a different show every night, and then you get to you get to see, I guess, um, our rhythms or patterns, or when we're not in rhythm and when we're not in pattern. And are there any that stand out for you? Show uh, particular you shows. Look back, yeah. Actually, many, uh, which is a really good sign. Um, Our press night called The Lying King, set in the offices of the Daily Mail, was a lot of fun. (laughs) It was really good. Recent, uh, we had one the other day uh, called Strange Hill, which was set in a school for the sort of exceptionally gifted, the the future leaders of the world. It was called Strange Hill, and it was more funny than I I remember a show being in a long time. And we were were making each other laugh on stage a lot, and it was just... We couldn't get through bits of it because we were just having so much fun, probably too much fun. But I remember, what else have we had? We've had, um, I think, because we've done now nearly 700 shows, you start to remember shows that are in some way a breakthrough show, like a show with a setting that you've never done or a show which has something about it that you've you've never experienced before. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, yeah, that's the one I was going to say. It's thumbs up, which is, it started with, it was just a couple going uh, hitchhiking across Europe. So it was a very different kind of story where they met different people and we were moved to different cities. Oh, wow. And it was great fun. And we, we were very aware of telling a story in a way that we hadn't told a story before. Yeah. So those are the ones you remember. So, yeah, Thumbs Up was a good one. Um, Duncan Walsh Atkins. I'm yeah. the musical director. Excellent. Um, you were just as much part of the improv team yes. as the people on stage as, yes. as the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and just noticing the warm-up that everyone's watching you. Um, kind of um, really, they're, they're watching each other. Yeah. I say on stage they watch each other and I watch them. Yeah. 
is there a certain moment where they there there's a there was a ship I mean it was the the warm up but there was a ship where you could see just towards the end of the song they like is, is this where we're going to wrap it up because I mean, they're but they're really in, t- in, in mm. tune with each other but yes it's really about being in tune with each other and I follow them more than okay. they follow me to be honest okay. um, so they kind of lead one another conduct one another on stage so um, I, I sort of I try and give them a confident groove a sort of clear style to sing in but then they really take the song from there yeah and uh, and it's up to them to to lead one another so you'll notice uh, one of them will always step forward and um, and lead that particular song yeah um, you know, lead, take it to an ending. Um, yeah, and very much I, yeah, I, I follow them and, and respect their choices. Okay. Um, the, the the pressure on you to know all the different styles of musical and musicals. I mean, because I'm sure people try and catch you out with mm-hmm. um, obscure, you know, 1950s, you know, eight shows on preview mm-hmm. shows on Broadway. Um, what, have you have you ever been stumped? Uh, all the, all the time, but you can usually get a clue. So if I know if I've never heard of a show, but if I know it was nineteen fifties on Broadway, that's a big enough clue. I know what okay. I know what nineteen fifties Broadway shows sound like. So yeah. usually, if you have a good overview, a good general knowledge of musical theatre, yeah. you can normally play something, even if you've never heard of it. You say, "Well, okay, well, if it's nineteen eighties West End." There's a fair, I can make a fairly good guess as to what it would have sounded like, sure. uh, and I may and I may be wrong, but at least I, I generally have something to go on. In the last resort, you can just say to the audience, to whoever suggested it, "Will you describe it?" And yeah. we can, we'll do what you describe. Yeah, um, and that's a fun game. Although what we do tends not to turns out not to be much like what yeah. they've <laughs> right. what they've described. But um, uh, yeah, there's usually some there's usually something to go on. And you're too. Your two bandmates. Is it always two, or is it sometimes more? Or? No, sometimes less. It's never more than three. Okay. Um, for, for smaller shows, uh, no, we do we do touring shows sometimes yeah. to small venues. Yeah. Um, sometimes go abroad where we can't always afford to take the full band with us. So yeah. it's sometimes two, sometimes just piano. Okay. Um, but uh, three, three is my optimum number: percussion and uh, melody instrument. Yeah. So we had sax and clarinet. Yes. Yeah, so Chris, my assistant musical director, does sax and clarinet. So yeah. he's incredibly versatile. So, yeah. Uh, with, with that combination, he can always find something to something to add. What's everybody's favorite key? I never asked that question before. <laughs> what, what's everyone's favorite key to play in? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it, I, I suppose I, my favorite key is C because there's there no black notes. Uh, <laughs> um, but then replay, replay, yeah, replayers, replayers hate C. yeah, they hate C. They want to play in E flat or, or yeah. B flat. So I do try and remember <laughs> when I when I have a replayer there. Yeah. I do tend tend to yeah. favor the flat key. The problem is because I'm, I'm growing up in the eighties. I'm, I'm really into my key changes, so I'm always I'm always changing key. Anyway, it's like if, if I'm bored of this song, oh, I'll just change the key. Um, yeah, yeah. If I want to go around one, one more chorus change the key brilliant um, so uh, I'll start in a sax friendly key and then end up in the worst key possible and, uh, yeah I'll sort of yeah I'll, I'm sorry you're right there Chris okay no. oh sorry we're in F sharp again <laughs> Dylan Emery, Adam Megiddo, and Duncan Walsh Atkins of the improv musical troupe Showstoppers. And I will give you all the info as to where you can buy tickets to their shows in a second. But before that, if you are a theater professional, head on over to curtaincallonline.com and sign up for a free profile page. Create an account with an email address, make up a cool password, and away you go. 
please follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Curtain Call. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, just get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me personally at john at curtaincallonline.com. Now, it just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Dylan Emerim, Adam Megiddo, Duncan Walsh Atkins, and everyone over at Showstoppers. There is a huge team of creatives in the company. Far, far too many for me to list here. But you can read all about them at their website, theshowstoppers.org. It's a fantastic site where you can find cast and creatives info, video and photo galleries, ticket info for their Christmas kids show in Leicester Square. That's happening later this month. And um, and so, 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 so much more. So, uh, so get over there. And as I mentioned before, you can catch The Showstoppers, the improvised musical at the Other Palace, where they will celebrate a massive landmark of 1,000 musical premieres. That is pretty crazy. Uh, so listen, do yourself a favor and get over to at least one of the shows. And I say at least because, um, you know, once you see one, you're definitely going to want to see another. Uh, and I will put in the dates and everything for the show. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, and I will catch you all next week. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.